0: Trying to make it through the world
1: Welcome to episode number 90 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Chris, your host, Better Yet, the long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. This song came on when I was driving back to Chicago on Sunday. I went down to Normal, Illinois for my guy Ben's birthday. Happy birthday, Ben. was driving up. With Scott, one of my best friends. He does the website. We were listening to a mix he made in 2012. And this came out and I immediately said, Well, I know what song I'm putting on the podcast this week. And he said that this was the last time I was excited about more than a couple new bands. He was like, All I listen to now is the dead and the band and... And it sucks because you fit into that stereotype then, I'm not caring about music when you get older. And here he is—he's he's listening to classic rock in his off time. So he's like, he's bummed out about that because he's like, I've fallen into this stereotype. I'm just like a dad who only wants to listen to his classic rock. Pretty soon, it's just going to be talk radio. But you know, it's it's interesting when you look at it from, you know. A less, less uh, self-analytic lens. You think about the fact that you start to care about different things. Your explorations go different ways. The guy watches more movies than I do, and you know you also have the opportunity now to listen to, like, really whatever you want to. You listen to whatever you want to, at all times. So maybe exploration has changed in the in the modern age and you know maybe maybe there's something to be said about about the fact that you know you get older and you and you your interests start to vary a little bit and maybe you you know you you want something particular and now we have we have access to that and he can go down this path and you know Say what you will about The Grateful Dead, but you can listen to The Grateful Dead for years and not hear the same thing twice. Kind of the same with the band. The band kind of only really have two good records, but that's okay. Anyway, we, we were looking back at that Yuck record from 2011 or 2012. And kind of looking to it like what Yuck gave way to, to me, it was like the beginning wave of the 90s worship that we're all kind of stuck in right now. That I've been spending a lot of time thinking about lately. And something that came up when my guest this week, Lindsay Sherman of Not For You, came over. And we talked at great lengths about this subject. About the, the idea of genre worship. But that we'll get to. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about her new record, Drown. Which is out now from our friends at Super Records. But first, a word from our sponsors. I've been to the top of Omelette Mountain, and I've seen the shimmering golden specter of the Omelette King. Jordansomelettes.com is revolutionizing semi-regular homemade omelette cell phone photography blogs in the 21st century. Follow along as Roswell Kidd off-brand Dr. Pepper sommelier Jordan Hudgens documents his breathtaking breakfast creations guaranteed to inspire and wet your imagination, jordansomelets.com. He wanted me to be sure to tell you that he spelled wet with an H. Bubbas, I've got some merchandise over here at Better Yet HQ. T-shirts and buttons are available at betteryetpod.com slash merch. If you've been listening for a while and want to support the show, it's the best way you can. This is Jordan's Omelets Money isn't paying for my dog food on a serious note i'm going to be moving in a couple of months my partner and i are gonna move into an apartment and i wouldn't mind finding a space uh with enough room to continue to record this at home so i've never seen this as a way to make money but what i wouldn't mind at this juncture is to put a little cash flow behind it to keep it sustainable, to continue to do this the way I have been doing it from the beginning. So I'll put this out there, betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. If you or someone you know is interested in advertising on the show, or if you're listening to this and are marketing savvy, I'm exploring options, betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. Alright, my guest this week is Lindsay Sherman of Not For You. Not for you is a Chicago-based project that Lindsay started in 2014. Their third LP, Drown, is out now on Super. This is a really dark, sludgy record, but all that thickness is on top of really great songwriting. Lindsay has an unbelievable voice, not only as a singer, but a really fantastic songwriter, one who's been developing very rapidly since starting the project, which came in wake of a solo venture, and over the time, it's transitioned from Lindsay in a backing band to a really explorative Ever changing band, Drown, the continuation of that exploration. We're super excited to have Lindsay over to talk about Not For You and the new record, and we'll get to it. We'll start of the song. This is It Can't See, followed by my interview with Lindsay Sherman. <laughs>
2: recognition that they wanted maybe while they were active at first right. because their record label like dropped them like they were like you guys yeah, suck you don't stuff. sell any records right. <laughs> so like but now all of a sudden like that also that story is like it's interesting to people you know right like, you can read creates, about it yeah. and you can
1: revisit it and that's super interesting it and it makes her sure. t-
2: following that's like oh well, this, this band is amazing their label dropped them and they like They broke up after, you know, a short while, and now they have this reunion, and, like, everyone does shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a a really good story that gets told, and and we're—it's just, like—I guess it's interesting to see, like, you know, the fact that this sort of stuff gets published because it's always going to be—people are always going to want to read about it, Mm -hmm. and so that's, like, what drives all of it, and— it's it's interesting to look at it in those terms where it used to be the the music that was talked about was kind of the stuff that could sell the most stuff, mm-hmm. and now we sell clicks. Yeah, and, but I don't know what's bothersome to me about that sort of thing too is that you get a lot of you get a lot of bands that are looking at like 90s aesthetic, and it's like oh man they just didn't give a shit, and it's like. I, I don't need to be told that you don't give a shit yeah. anymore.
2: Well, it's different. It's. I mean, it's definitely different now. It's like there's a standard that like you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you have to like, you know, you have to do something that's unique in order for. people to really give a shit about you and like yeah you might be really good at doing this one sound that this band has done yeah and some people really like that but i find that like if you're if you're a musician or if you're somebody that's like really cares about music and like is looking for new exciting things like should be pushing yourself exactly no one's gonna like you know, like at least that's something I always keep in the back of my mind, where I'm thinking like I don't want to do something that's derivative because that's right. boring.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you know, and it's interesting too. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about in the kitchen, where Glenn hit me up and like I hadn't I hadn't heard your music before because you're in you're in a different circle of of the thousands that there are here, um, and I'm listening to it for the first time and I'm like, this is great because i don't know who i don't know like where this is all coming from i can probably like hit on a couple of bands that we are both down with but this is unique and it's it's not a very clear path to like you know those maybe early influences that came for you
2: yeah i wonder if you'd even be like surprised by like my my bands that i <laughs> yeah say, well, like well, you
1: got you got well, one that's I like i
2: Cocktail Twins, yeah. Does that come out?
1: It comes out a little bit. Somebody
2: told me that they're like, "Wow, it's like you definitely like Cocktail Twins." I'm like, "How'd you know?" Uh huh. But I don't know. What
1: I got from from Cocktail Twins, um, and Cocktail Twins is one of those bands that I never got like fully into. But it's like I was really into the Cure, so like I dipped my toes into that just yeah. because I needed to. Yeah. Um, but the the vibe of all of it is just a very like stark sort of that like that like one of the things i like about goth is that i always see like a like a dark like future ism to it you know yeah very very like yeah it's all gonna be gray yeah (laughs) it's gonna be computers and they're gonna ruin everything yeah
2: Yeah, I mean, like, My Bloody Valentine also definitely, like, a band that I loved yeah. growing up. And I'm oh. sure, like, they're, like, you know, listening to that band made me want to, like, explore guitar tone and all that, you know, right, weird right. chord, like, chords and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just the droney layering type of stuff. like mm-hmm. And it's funny, too, because, like, we try to go for this, like, whole sludgy vibe, but I don't even really listen to any sludgy bands. Like, yeah, yeah milk belly is like the only band i listen to i'm like this is heavy yo you know i mean like there's other bands like i'm trying to even think like what do i listen to that's like heavy right
1: i got like i i i I like having a couple people in my life that hit me with like yo it's been nine months since i got you into the last black metal record that i got you into (laughs) but check out this black metal record yeah and i'm like all right cool
2: yeah I find that like I was just really disenchanted by metal music in general, right? Um, and just like heavy music because like it was obviously male dominated and uh-huh. like the way like sure the music is cool like it's heavy and makes you want to like yeah like bang your head but um, I always found that like the riffs were kind of cheesy yeah. and I also thought that the vocals were just terrible yeah, like yeah. it's like and I mean I'm not you know obviously not trying to like. Shit on oh, like metalheads out all there. My metal heads but are like,
1: <laughs> like, oh, I <laughs> but, don't know about this interview to him.
2: <laughs> but you know, like I was just like young Lindsay listening to heavy music, be like, I love how heavy it is, but I just don't like anything else about it. Yeah. yeah so I'm like, sure. uh, okay, like if I'm gonna like make a band, like mm-hmm. I want that. I want it to be like that sort of like ridiculous, like at times heavy. Yeah. but there is also like a softness and like an elegance to it that is just not present in right. like male dominated metal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. And I I think like for me too, like the uh you know, coming from a punk side metal always felt like like too big. It always felt like it was coming from like rock stars and they would play like larger places and once i found people who were doing it on like a level where it wasn't necessarily elevated from the audience in that way mm-hmm. that was helpful for me yeah but you know that was that was my my path to metal where'd you grow up though
2: i grew up in the northwest suburbs of chicago it's called carrie
1: no way are I'm you from crystal lake there's represent so, so many people yeah. I
2: know from Crystal Lake. It's like, crazy.
1: It's, it's it's almost as if it's forty five minutes away from here. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny though. I mean, I worked at the Panera Bread in Crystal Lake.
1: Oh really? In the on uh, Fort, round on, fourteen, right round fourteen, like right by the movie theater mm-hmm. and uh, the around the clock diner. Yeah.
2: yeah, I yeah, that was my first job. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: That was uh, yeah. I, I had a One of my favorite conversations with my mother ever took place at the Panera Bread. Not gonna, yeah, straight up. I'll I'll always feel sentimental for Panera Bread for that one reason. (laughs) That was your first job, though. So were you a Cary Grove high school all right with well, the trojans right
2: oh yeah <laughs> dude i know
1: yeah i was a i was a pr wolf so we were rivals but
2: yeah and half of the people that grew up in Carrie ended up going to pr too, yeah, 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 so when you
1: said that i was like oh maybe she went to pr no right. no
2: did not <laughs> i kind of wish though cuz that school was like fancy it was a it was a newer huge. it was
1: a newer school i think it was built in 96 or something like that yeah so when did you When did you graduate though?
2: Twenty eleven.
1: Okay, when I was there, it was well. I mean, it's still. I mean, it's still in comparison to to all the other ones. It's they called it Preppy Ridge. So, yeah, <laughs> which is you know not me. I was I was punk at the Preppy School, so yeah. it was harder for me than it was for most people. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Are your folks still in Kerry?
2: Yeah yeah well my parents aren't together but my uh-huh. mom and stepfather and the rest of my family still lives there oh okay and then i have a dad in california
1: where's he in california
2: it's like it's called studio city it's uh-huh. like in la
1: sounds fancy it's, it is fancy yeah. yeah what does he do
2: you know i couldn't tell you oh okay you, you don't is. talk no i just don't know what his job oh really <laughs> He like sells. He uh-huh. like sells like I think he sells he sells insurance to people or something. Uh
1: huh. I don't really know. He's, yeah, like yeah, yeah.
2: brought it up like vaguely. Uh huh. But it's always one of those things where it's just like, I'm like, what dad? What do you do or something? I think last time I like had that type of conversation maybe like three years ago, and he was like explaining it, but like in the most vague way possible. That it's almost like I am a grown adult. Like I understand. Right. Like. I know what is, yeah, like I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that he was maybe just assuming like that he was just going to dumb it down and I'm like I I walked away with that like I don't know what he does. Yeah. <laughs> he sells something.
1: <laughs> how long is he how long has he been out there? You you two are good though. Uh,
2: I mean, it's fine. Like Yeah. Um I mean, he the my parents like split when I was 2 years old. Uh-huh. And he's basically never lived near me. Um, like, he we, he lived in Illinois until I was, like, five, and then he's been kind of bouncing around, like, the West Coast for the past, like, almost 20 years. Yeah. So, um, and, like, we would see each other, like, a few times a year, and now I'm, like, older and, like, reflecting. Uh-huh. Um, I, like, you know, I'm, I don't make as much of an effort to, yeah. like, you know, have a relationship with him, but... It's just...
1: Parents. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. so it's... I think making an effort, even when even when you want it to be there, is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one of those things where you get... Yeah, I don't know. It's the amount of extension that goes into, you know, a relationship with somebody that you don't see very often, too. It's like, you know. Yeah. It's also there's so much time
2: yeah. yeah, it's a it's a lot of time you miss a lot. Like I'm yeah. not like I can't even begin to think of like where to catch up. Like I'm like I feel like he knows what my job is. Yeah, he knows I'm like have a romantic partner. Uh huh. Like I don't think he really knows anything else about my life. Yeah, um, like, he knows I do music, but like every time I would like bring it up, right? He'd just be like, "That's cool," and I'm like, "You don't want to like hear it or yeah, you know, like yeah, I don't know." Yeah. Um, but. I think that, you know, relationships, obviously, it's a two-way street, requires, like, both parties to be, like, putting in effort, and after a while, you're just like, I'm not going to really, like, put in that much effort, because... Yeah. And it doesn't really even bother me. It's not like I'm, like... Right. ...full of daddy issues. I'm just kind of like, well, you know, it didn't really, like, we're just different people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For
1: sure. What about your mom? She...
2: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) she's very religious, Republican, voted for Trump. But, you know, like, she's nice. Right. But, like, also, like, neurotic. And, like, growing up with her was, you know, a really bizarre experience. Uh huh. And I, it's funny because I have two younger siblings who still live with her. Right. Because they're, like, not graduated from high school yet Uh i just can't really imagine like well also at the time like when i was living with her she didn't work so she was home all day every day and i think she was kind of like going through some mental health issues and things Uh like that um which was like not she wasn't open about it it was more just like just no communication. But you know, like when there's no communication, right. things like blow up and it gets Yeah, bad. for sure,
1: for sure. Um
2: now she has a job, so I don't really know like what the dynamic is like for my younger siblings. But uh-huh. I just like my older sister and I, like we obviously lived it and we're like, How what is going on? Right. There? So
1: you come away you come away from it with your older sister and y'all are like Right? Like this is this is reality, right? Like we're not I'm not crazy yeah. to think that this is a little fucked up.
2: Yeah. And also just being able to like have a like a role model growing up who like wants you to like subscribe to these certain beliefs and uh-huh. ideals and like low key like saying like racist shit and you're yeah. like when you grow up and you're like wait a second um just cuz you're my mom And like you're raising me doesn't mean I have to like listen to you or like subscribe to those things. Yeah. So it kinda like even early on, like I think I kinda stopped I stopped believing in God at like age thirteen. Uh-huh. And was just like very like you know, like You can't be
1: quiet about that in a house like that. Yeah, and you know, and
2: like you have to like being forced to go to church and like being and that's the thing it's like being forced to like do all this stuff and you're yeah. like I don't like it doesn't help it doesn't help like make me like I'm not if I'm forced to go to a church I'm not going to like find Jesus by just like oh, I always found that yeah. to be
1: a really interesting like idea that you have to do this as if yeah. it's going to make a difference
2: especially when you like really don't want to Right, it makes me uh-huh. more like against it yeah and, I mean at a, at a young age too so yeah yeah, yeah. um that's kind of been like a big theme as far as like me growing up like with my mom and having those like certain pressures and uh-huh. things and then obviously with like the last election and finding out that she's like a total Trump supporter and like just can't you like you know it's like kind of hard to believe it especially when we're like a middle class like we're like not Wealthy, yeah, you know, like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's so it's like it doesn't make sense. It's like, why are you so against, like, right? That's the that's the disconnect that I
1: think is is one of the most intriguing parts of all of it. Is is like, why this is gonna hurt you? Yeah, you know, it might it might like
2: and your children. Take... <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I don't know. So is it? Uh, do you see her often is it usually contentious when you do or is it Well,
2: I think now that like us not living together has been the best thing that could have ever happened yeah Um, we don't see each other often we will she'll like randomly like tag me in some like cat video on Facebook or like uh-huh. text me or something and like you know just she's still like the same type, has the same type of neuroticism where she'll like if she does call me It's like, I have to be very upfront right away and be like, I don't have time. Because if I try to like, I can't have like a casual five minute conversation on the phone. It's like either I answer the phone and I'm like, I literally don't have time. I'll talk to you later. Or I don't answer the phone. But if I do and like have some sort of conversation, she'll try to keep me on the phone as long as possible just Uh by talking about like, Uh it's like, and that's the thing too that gets me is like, she talks a lot about herself. Yeah. so like when these long conversations happen on the phone it's a lot of time me just laying there and the phone like i'll like lay in my bed uh-huh. and the phone is like on speaker and i'm just listening to her just like talk about all this really mundane stuff yeah you know like <laughs> i just don't <laughs> and then some of the times like you'll listen to what she's saying and you think that it's almost like she's like talking through her own insecurity with me yeah where she's like I, my younger siblings are, like still in high school so uh-huh she is the oldest mother out of all of my younger siblings' friends' parents. Oh, So okay. that causes a lot of, like, insecurity yeah, for yeah, her. Yeah. And she does not explain, she doesn't say, like, she's not conscious, like, I'm very insecure about around all these, like, younger women who are, like, my equal. She, I don't even think she thinks of it that way. I think that she's just, like, I have to, like, appear as young as possible. Uh-huh. And I have to appeal to this, like, young crowd. It's, right. like, literally the age difference is like 10 years and i am friends with people who are 10 years older than me yeah and like I just a
1: little bit of self-awareness yeah i think would like go a long way exactly that's that's so she's
2: always talking like she's like so and so said like because i guess she's 50s 55 Uh uh-huh which is not even old no it's
1: not old at all yeah and Uh she's like
2: oh well my friend who's like 36 said that like i look 36 and she'll like say something like that on the phone and i'm just like what do you okay. want me to say? Yeah,
1: all right, all right. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm like, what do you want me to say? Like, <gasps> mom, I'm sorry, you uh-huh. don't look like you're 36. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like, what yeah. do you want out of that? It's just uh-huh. like a lot of that. And it's, you know, the emotional labor of just like having to like be that person that's just absorbing all that stuff. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like, I like to just stay kind of a little bit back. Yeah. Just because it gets, like, stressful. Like, I can't be that person that's just that involved in my family's lives because we're also just completely different people. Right. And I don't really, I mean, like, I don't want to say, like, they don't take an active, um, like, they're not, like, actively engaging in my life. I don't want to say, like, it's not, like, that they don't care. And, like, my mom will, like, say, like, hey, when are you playing a show at a bar? Like, I want to go. And I'm like, Yeah. yeah, like. If you go to a show, it should be at a bar, not a DIY space, Uh, because like that's weird.
1: Um, It sets you up for pretty good because then you can be you can be like, oh, when it happens, I will let you know. But you're mostly playing in spaces, so yeah, which (laughs) is nice way to avoid it.
2: Yeah, and like she (laughs) has like come out to see me play before, which is nice. So, which it's not like I'm like she doesn't support me or care about what I do. It's sort right. just like we're different people. And like, I obviously like know her interests don't lie in that like same area where mine do. Mm-hmm. And we can't really like relate on a lot of things. So yeah. I'm like, I just don't really yeah. feel the well, need. Well, It's, it's to tough. Just, Cause it's, yeah. it,
1: it sounds like, like you made like a lot of conclusions independently based on, based on like what you've been given. And then, you know, she doesn't understand that because she's not in tune, and the, like, ability to to reach out when you don't have, like, a self-awareness is is gonna be hard, so.
2: Yeah, or even but just, I, yeah, yeah,
1: like. I, I feel that, yeah. though, where you're, like, I think I'm a person, too, where I'm, like, a little, I'm a little reserved, too, and I, I kind of, you know, keep to myself in a lot of ways, and I, you know, have had i guess issues with people before where i'm not i'm not as present as they feel like i should be and it's like uh,
2: sorry it's a two-way street though i mean like if i think if my parents wanted to be more active or if they wanted me more in their life they would reach out more yeah and want to like you know not just talk about what's going on in their life right you know and it's like I just find that a lot of the interactions are very surface level so I don't really see there's like really no like incentive for me to like keep reaching out and I'm like why would I reach out to you like hey how's it going okay now you're going to talk my ear off for 45 minutes right. about like you know like something at, that happened at work like I get it but I'm just not really into that type of interaction.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel that. Yeah. So so uh, I guess when when were you getting into music? You had an older sister where you was she kind of guiding you down a path or was it No, I kind of did it all on my own. Yeah. Like
2: I uh I mean like when we were younger like we both wanted to pick up instruments. Uh-huh. Um I am slightly more coordinated than my sister uh-huh so she was like gonna do drums uh-huh. and i was gonna do a guitar and we both had like uh lessons or whatever and uh-huh. my sister just never stuck with it where'd you
1: where'd you go for your guitar lessons <sighs>
2: um shit what is
1: it called was it a place uh, on fox river grove yeah what is it called i don't know
2: guitar No, not Guitar Center. (laughs) No, yeah, no, it's someplace right by the train
1: station. Yeah, that's where I went. My, yeah, for sure. My friend Carl stole a guitar from there. Oh, he did the uh, he did the 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 Nikki Six trick where you bring in a guitar case and then you ask for he asked for like an an application or something and the guitar case was empty and he put a guitar in it and then left.
2: That is amazing, amazing. right?
1: (laughs) Can't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll I'll edit out his name so that my parents don't know because they'll be like, I didn't I always knew that kid. Yeah. I always knew that kid
2: was <laughs> bad news.
1: But all right, so yeah. so you were you were taking lessons. How old were you?
2: Well, I okay, so I started um, in fifth grade, and I i went to this one place which i think was called like hot red music or something like Uh over in curry yeah um it was like weird because the guy that was teaching me was like you gotta learn scales and i was like i don't want to learn that
0: that. i
2: want to learn like green day songs damn right yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) so um yeah so i ended up going to this other place which i did lessons there um sixth grade and seventh grade uh-huh. um which i guess would have made me like 13, 12 and 13. Yeah, 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 Um
1: so was it all was it was Green Day the actual or was it kind of just was it like alternative radio? And-
2: it was I mean, I was a huge Green Day fan. Yeah. Cuz like, you
1: were that was that American idiot for you? That
2: I mean, <laughs> so I was like a fan, uh-huh. but also took out the time to like be familiar with their entire discography okay and ended up liking a lot of the more older stuff even though i was still like this angsty like 12 year old that like really also liked american idiot just because Uh i liked the political stance even though i hadn't i knew nothing about politics Mm -hmm. i just liked that there was like that like sort of like radicalism like in quotes yeah totally whatever they were trying to do Uh it like worked on me yeah just
1: the idea is vibing with you yeah just like don't want to be an
2: american idiot like i was like fucking right
1: neither do i (laughs)
2: like (laughs) you should
1: see these people (laughs) yeah so so but that's an interesting uh part of it though like where where do you think the idea that you know oh i should go backwards comes from because that's sort of that that's not like an intuition that most 12 year olds have is oh if i like this band i should understand what came before this oh, record that i, I mean
2: i was also i had the personality where i would just like be obsessed with something and just wouldn't couldn't stop listening to like any like I would just listen to anything anyone ever did. Like uh-huh. it was the same with like all of the other bands that I was like really into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and it and it just kept going like every like phase of like artist uh-huh. that I would go through, I would listen to like their whole discography for yeah. a really long time and like be obsessed with it. Right. And then, you know, like have the full scope and then be able to decide like, well, my favorite thing that they ever did was this. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. you know, all of it uh-huh. which you know it's a lot easier when it is a band that only has like three albums but when it is like green oh, day that yeah, had like green twelve had million, yeah
1: what's your what's your sign leo leo yeah yeah, yeah. all right fire sign I'm, I'm a sagittarius but i have like that that similar that similar mindset too where it's like it's like if, if i'm doing anything i want to know as much as i can about it and mm-hmm. backwards and you know everything in between yeah. but so so you started playing you started playing guitar and and then were you playing in in high school or were you going around to shows in that area so
2: not really I mean like I tried doing the whole like jazz band thing because my mom like wanted me to be in concert band and then uh-huh. I was like I don't want to play the saxophone I don't like it because I was playing that And she was like, well, just join the jazz band and play guitar. But it was all, like, very note-based things. I couldn't play it because I was
1: only playing chords. Only playing chords,
2: exactly. Um, And also, really, like, at that point, wasn't even playing electric guitar. Like, I didn't even own an electric guitar. Like, once I started taking lessons at that one place um, Mm -hmm. in Fox River Grove, my mom had bought me an acoustic guitar. So I just learned all these songs on an acoustic guitar. Right. And I, like... Kind of ditched my like really crappy like electric guitar that i had originally right. yeah. um and then started like getting more in tune with like my folky side which uh-huh. was like by like eighth grade like eighth grade i was like super into bright eyes yeah for and sure. it was, like, got in tune with my folky side. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, the whole, like, acoustic guitar thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. It
1: sounds like you're, you're getting this thing and you're, like, all right, I, I want to learn how to play songs. And the yeah. best way for me to do that is, is to, you know, Play these three chord ones that I can follow along. Yeah, the chords on 911 tabs or whatever.
2: Yeah, and that was the thing is that it was like my guitar teacher, like at that place, enabled me to like not learn anything else other than like just songs. Like we uh-huh. would just have uh like a rehearsal or whatever we call it, like a lesson. Yeah. yeah. Um, where we would just I'd bring a song and I'm like, I want to learn this song mm-hmm. and like. Back in, like, seventh grade, I was, like, into, like, you know, scene music and all, like, you know, like, screamo shit and, uh-huh. like, wanted to learn, like, I haven't I'm, heard
1: like... The, I haven't heard the term scene in so yeah. long. It makes me so I was, so like, happy. loved
2: the band from First to Last yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The Used, and I, like, wanted to learn those songs, but they were also, like, really shreddy. Right. And, like, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So, um, but at pretty much after that point, like, I don't think... I stopped lessons around eighth, like right at the beginning of eighth grade. Uh-huh. And that's when I had, I still had my acoustic guitar and all these like bright eyed songs that I was learning were like really simple. Yo, and I would sure. just look on the internet and like uh-huh. the tabs and just learn them. And at that point I was like self-taught. Yeah. And that was like the only like lessons I had had uh-huh. was fifth grade through, Yeah, I guess like seventh grade.
1: Right. So, so did you start... I mean, you you start writing your your own songs eventually.
2: I started, um, so I wrote some songs, like, I guess my freshman year of high school, Uh I wrote some songs on my acoustic guitar, um, and they were really bad, obviously, everyone is like, their first songs that they write are terrible, but, um, I had, like, Audacity on my computer and bought Uh a little USB microphone. There it is. Yeah, and, like, recorded these songs, um... And I kind of did that for a little bit. I had a music MySpace, and
1: what was the name of it?
2: You know, I couldn't even tell you. I oh, think it's honestly my name. I oh, think really? it's just my name. Yeah, 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 Um, but don't look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly have no idea if that's yeah. if it's still out there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I never went to shows really. Like there was no like local scene at that point. Like yeah.
1: you know, I think I feel like where I my timeline and. In McHenry County ends when there were shows that just for fun roller I did rink. go
2: there later in high school Yeah, for sure. Like my junior and senior year. Uh-huh.
1: That's when the term scene was very prevalent in my
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how old are you? How old are you?
1: I'm 31. So I graduated in 2005
2: Yeah, so you would have been like in high school when I was like a little seventh grader doing my whole scene. thing. Yeah,
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, we get it. Yeah, uh-huh. it was still like the uh-huh. same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I did go to shows at Just for Fun Roller Rink, and they uh-huh. were like, you know, hardcore shows. Yeah, totally. Punk shows. Five band
1: bills and it was weird and
2: Yeah. It was weird.
1: <laughs> did you go to college?
2: I did. I went to Columbia um for audio production. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that all kind of stemmed from my like June, like late junior senior year, uh-huh. I like joined this band with a bunch of other people from Chris Lake. Oh, okay. And uh, it was a shoegaze band. Uh huh. And we were called Heavy Ghost. Yeah. And uh yeah, we um we made this album like. Uh huh. And it's, I mean, I still really like it. Yeah. It's, like, it's still a good album. Uh-huh. Um, we made it all just like completely in Ableton. Like none, nothing was live. Yeah, Like we just did every, we produced the whole thing, uh-huh. like the four of us. Yeah. And I had such a good time doing it that I was thinking like, Oh, I should pursue the career in right. This. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Figure out how to mic these symbols properly. Yeah, even like though that. all
2: everything we had done uh-huh. for the album was just all like synthesized like oh, drums okay. yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
2: But uh, I mean, I when I went to college for that stuff, I still really enjoyed that whole yeah. side of music. Uh huh. So I my interests tend to like branch out into the whole like recording like field and yeah you know how Uh to mic these symbols right right, right. what microphones are cool and like how does signal flow work how do i fix like this shit that's not working yeah and stuff like that Uh so i did get into that stuff um but i was very much the type of person that wasn't like gonna do it on my own like i needed college to be like yeah for sure this is how you learn about stuff like you know some people right. just like read an article online they all of a sudden like know how to do stuff i I'm hate not those th- people i'm not that type I of person i hate those people yeah. <laughs> yeah no for sure i needed to go to college for uh-huh. that for sure but yeah and now i just have that yeah, yeah yeah
1: are you are you still pursuing it like are you still recording stuff you mean some of the the earliest not for you stuff you recorded right
2: so we um the first the very first album we did um we had it was like a more collaborative recording effort between myself and a friend and Uh then i had mixed the first album oh okay but that was also when i was still in school yeah yeah yeah. i mean i would i don't personally think the mix is that great um Uh i would change a lot of things but obviously it was like you're learning and i feel you know every time you do a project like that you get a little bit better and also we were super limited like recorded in a basement with like a bunch of sm57s and like right it was like obviously not gonna sound crisp
1: uh-huh. um
2: but i did other projects after that like i recorded this band uh glamour hotline
0: uh-huh. and
2: that? they're a, they were like a all femme like punk band basically uh-huh. and their songs were just like super like cool and yeah, fun yeah, yeah. and just like about like being your experience being a woman and oh, like yeah. dealing with patriarchy and all that stuff, right? It right. was awesome, yeah. Um, yeah, so I recorded their album, and that was like a project where I like saw them, they were a brand new band, and I was like, they definitely want a woman to record them, uh-huh. and I want to do it, and like they definitely want to do it for free. So, yeah. like, I did, hell
1: um, yeah.
2: that's
1: awesome, yeah. So, so, um, when does not for you. Actually, started it like, like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen.
2: Yeah, so I guess um we back this last February was our three year anniversary of being a band. Uh huh. So, it was, I guess that would make it. I mean, I always get confused because like the years don't like you can't just like go like I guess three yeah, years yeah, yeah. from February would have been twenty fifteen. Uh huh. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like, is it twenty fourteen? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, twenty fifteen is When it started, but uh-huh. I had a solo project before then that kind of started the
1: oh, okay. project. What, what was that?
2: It was called Cool Mom,
1: uh huh. Hell yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, it was like it was basically just the songs I wrote. Like, uh, I had bought my first real electric guitar, which I still use, uh-huh. like Gretsch. Yeah. Um, beautiful, right back there.
1: Is that the one oh. you got an electric, electromatic?
2: Um, yeah, mine is, like, bigger uh-huh. and green, yeah. and it has the Bigsby. Oh, yours has the Bigsby, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks I a love lot the, like
1: that. Yeah, I love the Bigsby. Yeah. I don't, I don't love changing the strings on the Bigsby. Yeah. But I love that guitar. Yeah. I kind of got it as a functional, like... Acoustic slash electric guitar.
2: I mean, you don't have to. You really don't have to plug it in if you're playing it at home. Yeah, like, totally. I don't ever plug
1: it. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Well, you get good jangle out of it. Mm-hmm. Like your your tone, at least like through "Not for You," has been really, really solid. Um, but you were you so you were playing as Cool Mom. Um, I love that name. That's so good, <laughs> um, and were you just playing like around because you know this is one of the things that we were we were kind of talking about is that there's you know so many different scenes going on and so was uh were you playing um kind of all over the place were you doing like open mics or was it mostly diy
2: it was kind of a mix like i played i don't know if you're familiar with pinky swear no it's this uh they're actually still active venmo or venmo oh my god <laughs> venue <laughs> ah it's see it's seeping into my brain yeah. uh venue in Humboldt park um that they had this like event called mom prom uh-huh. where they wanted to get like all these mom themed projects yeah and have it be like this event uh-huh. um and i got asked to play uh i can't remember how uh shelby who who runs that place i can't remember how he found me Uh uh-huh. um okay back 2014 uh-huh. um i lived at this place on western in milwaukee like this like loft space yeah, yeah, yeah with like a bunch of people like at one point we had like 10 people living there uh-huh. um that was like way after but our whole like idea when we first lived to th- moved into that place was that we were gonna make it a venue because it was huge right we called it the alcove okay so the first show that we had, um, obviously I was gonna play it because mm-hmm. like I was right. part, of, yeah, yeah. part of the whole setup and I you built know. this
1: place. Yeah.
2: So I pretty sure that's how I got like a lot of opportunities was just playing that one show. Right. Um and then there was also this place um in Pilsen called Grandpa Bay, which uh-huh. is which started as a venue and right. then ended up um, doing a label too doing right? the label. Who who did that? Um, grandpa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the label is Nate Amos and Mark Drake. Okay. Um, but the guy who started the actual venue, uh-huh. um, which at the time I don't think it was being called grandpa Bay. Um, they, I can't even remember what they called it. I think it was just like whatever the address was. Right. Um, this guy named Ben McIntyre, like started the, like, cause he lived there first uh-huh. and we were actually friends in college oh, okay. and he was all like, Nate Amos was in this band called Opposites. We were both obsessed with it. And we were like, and you know, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Ben's like, I want to get them to move in with me. And like, we'll all live in a cool house. And like, Uh and then so eventually, like, that actually happened. Yeah. And then they started Grandpa Bay as a tape label. Oh, okay. And they had that venue. Like, they lived at this house and they had shows there and they called the show, like the venue, Grandpa Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So it kind of like evolved from there. And I had played there like one time before it was Grandpa Bay. And I think I played there another time when it was considered Grandpa Bay. Right. Um, I also was in a garage rock band for a hot second called uh. Jollies, which is actually still a band. Oh, okay. And I'm not going to like talk too much about them because like, I don't want anyone who likes that band to like... Uh-huh. hear me say anything yeah, yeah. that i don't want to say so
1: but like nate nate amos he's recorded the last two not yeah, he, for you yeah he oh, did peace. the last he's, two he's ones like part of the fold now and then he's Grandpa like a babe, member of the band yeah, yeah yeah oh that's great well it's um uh you know and it's i guess it's like similar to super in a lot of ways where it's like the it's a collective of of people who are doing you know, performance and and venues and the label and all sorts of mm-hmm. stuff like that. So like you're how did you get with Super, I guess, how do, how does it end up that Super's putting out this tape?
2: Well, you know, it's actually kinda of funny. It's it's funny because everything is like cause and effect or whatever. Right. Like it's like one thing happened which led to all these other things. Yeah. So When I was going to Columbia and my senior year, I was doing this master class where they had classes take place at wall-to-wall recording, which is like this, it's not a studio anymore, Uh but um, it was a studio like in River North or whatever. Um, We had our classes there, so I had a a course that was like all analog recording, Uh and our assignment was like, we have to get a band we had to bring a band in outside of class record them on a 24 track tape reel to reel damn and mix it and present a song and i ended up i don't even remember and this is funny because like way back like my freshman year of college there's this band called the new diet mhm i don't know if you're familiar with them no so there's a band called The New Diet. I was like, wow, this is a really cool band. And uh, they were local. And I was like, that's awesome. And kind of like forgot about them. And then somebody I was living with at the time um, my senior year, which is also the when we were living in the big show house or right. whatever, um, he was like, I know the guy from The New Diet. So uh-huh. um, if you want to record them, because I was having a hard time finding a band um, yeah. to like, come in. And I was like freaking out like oh my god it's amazing because like i really do like that band yeah, yeah, yeah which um ended up the new diet is now what is called long face oh
1: yeah yeah so, i love the long face records
2: yeah and it's like they had evolved into long face so yeah. when i brought them in as the new diet glenn was actually in that band uh-huh and they recorded a song with me and then they were like Oh, this is actually, like, the first, like, long phase song Uh that we're doing. So during that process, they had evolved into long phase. Yeah. And we had a really good time recording. They loved, like, the end result. Uh And, like, we just became, like, kind of friends after that. Um, Like, we'd see each other at shows. And then it's sort of just, like, you know, we'd always known each other through that. And then when Not For You was doing stuff, like... There was a time like Namdi like came out to like a show that I played at Bee Kitchen like uh-huh. randomly like yeah. what are you like what are you doing here man yeah. he's like I'm here to see you I was like what what yeah so that was like you know really cool so like, it was like okay like Namdi obviously like thinks I'm cool and um, yeah yeah and then let me, Glenn n- let me just yeah dust yeah my shoulders you know a little bit uh-huh. yeah um, and then Glenn like has always just been a nice guy. Like every time I'd see him in public or at a show, he's always been really cool. Like we had chats, like, you know, talk to each other about stuff. And then when I kind of knew like super was being a thing, um, I was like, you know, like, oh, it would be so cool if I right. could do that. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, probably yeah. never happened though. Because like, um, Why would it? Because yeah. even though... Yeah. And then, um, so Michael, who plays bass in Not For You, he's in another project called Nouveau, which yeah. is on the great super... band. Yeah, yeah. great band. Mm-hmm. uh, On the super label. And then when it kind of occurred to me, like, wait a second, like, Nouveau is on super. Like, Not For You could be on super. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, we literally share a member. Like, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. um. So then I thought, like, oh, that's actually something that's a little bit... makes us a little bit more accessible because Michael's, like obviously like a part of the label already and like Uh then it sort of came down to like i think i just like dropped like a hint one time to glenn like
1: yeah yeah,
2: yeah. super should put out the next not for you release or something and then he was like yeah totally i think Uh that's like literally how it happened and then i was like oh my god it's not gonna be for like six months though Uh and he's like just let me know when it is yeah and then it all (laughs) happened yeah Yeah, it's great yeah it's
1: it's been it's been fun of you know going and uh listening to to this record a lot and then going back originally and you know listening to your first record canary in the mine um one of the things i found is that i really really like locked into that jangly guitar tone and i kind of was like listening to it and it felt you know and maybe this is like an extension of your solo thing where a lot of those songs felt like kind of formed and the band kind of you know was it was a composition a lot more like that where it's like you're writing them bringing them in and the bands putting it together
2: yeah the first yeah the first not for you album was definitely like i wrote the songs and brought them because like We also kinda had a weird like beginning where Pasha, who plays drums, he's been playing drums with us since the beginning. He Uh um was not a drummer. Like Uh and we he's from Crystal Lake. Oh yeah. Or McHenry. He it's technically McHenry. Uh Um he and we'd known each other for a long time and we were hanging out one time, like at Grandpa Bay, the venue, and I'm like, I got this solo thing, and like I really just want to like have a drummer, like have a Mm. band. He's like, I'll play drums for you. Yeah. And I'm like, what you don't play drums he's like I just got a new job and like I yeah, want to buy yeah. a drum set so uh-huh. like let's do it yeah. and then our other friend Caleb was like I would love to play bass so we I kind of already had these songs yeah um and then we kind of did that whole thing and then so those were pretty much all of the songs I'd written and then when Caleb moved to Vermont we had Michael come in as the bass player uh-huh. and it kind of really opened up a lot of stuff yeah and at that point uh Pasha was like more developed with his drumming Uh and like kind of branched off like yeah into like more weird stuff less like straightforward right um so then we kind of turned into like this different band yeah and those those songs are a lot more collaborative like right i think i would write you know a lot of the guitar riffs at home and Uh then bring them to practice
1: and you kind of go from there yeah but whereas like
2: the other songs were like the song was written, the vocals were written, and I was right. like, here's this song uh-huh. versus, Add like... Add to it a little bit. Yeah,
1: because yeah, it feels like the first record, it's, like, it's centered around around your songs, and obviously, like, everything's centered around your songs, but, like, moving forward, it's like, oh, word, a lot of this came together, di- oh, like, significantly yeah. differently than before. It was like, I,
2: I brought the guitar riff, uh-huh. and then they we worked on the instrumental. right. And we came up with an instrumental, and then I would listen to the recordings from practice and just write the vocals from there. Yeah. It was, like, not a thing that was, like... The vocals was, like, the last thing. Like, once the song was there... Yeah. Then I was like, okay, now we will add vocals. And it actually has, like, worked out really well for me in songwriting, like, in general. Like, I kind of write that way now. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting to kind of see how it goes because I think, you know, what ends up happening over the course of your band and it's really pronounced on drown is that you know your your songs like kind of what develops is this really like kind of defined parts to them where it's like not in the sense of like first chorus but it's like part one hard stop part two hard stop part three mm-hmm. and is that like i guess is that is there intentionality to that? Or is it kind of just like a way that y'all work together where it's like kind of just how it comes together?
2: It's a little bit of both. I'm kind of intentional with that just because I, I find – I mean like it's different for every project because sometimes I love projects where I'm like it's so repetitive. I love it. And then other right. times I'm like it's way too pr- repetitive. Uh-huh. And I feel like that for me it's like – for this project, I wanted to keep the songs a little bit shorter in general. Like we Uh could do the whole, like go back to part one and then do that for like a period of time and then go back to part two. Like we could do that back and forth thing, but I felt like for me, I was like, this feels too repetitive. So I would be like, okay, here's part one. And then we just go into part two and then part three. And like, there's the song.
1: Well, what I like about it is that, um, you know, going back to canary in the mine like a lot of those songs are just built on like guitar parts that repeat and just repeat over and over and over Mm -hmm. and um and then you have you know this point that you're at now where it's like it's part one part two you know maybe part three but the amount of time that you spend in part one or part two like Uh, You know if part two is like a little bit of an extended instrumental before the vocals come you really take your time With those repetitions and I really really like that dynamic because it's it's it commands a lot There's a lot of confidence in the we're just gonna play this same thing For as many times as we want to before we change things. Mm -hmm. I like that like where does that come from? Do you think that that use of Mm -hmm. repetition?
2: I mean, as far as guitar playing, I'm just not, I'm like a, I mean, I am largely a self-taught guitar player. So Uh I think a lot of it too is like, I have to be able to play the song. So Uh I don't, I can't like challenge myself to the point where I'm like not able to sing and play at the same time, which also like, that is also, you know, always something that I do want to challenge myself with. Like a lot of the guitar parts on Drown are like some of the more difficult chord shapes and guitar like patterns and things that like I even will like fuck it up at practice because Uh I'm like you know like it's tough yeah dexterity it's exactly
1: but I I guess you know there's there's several examples of it seven is a really good one where you repeat you know this line for so many times oh yeah that it it just kind of like it it's there's a tension and, that builds. Yeah. it's it's like oh damn and yeah it took me a little bit of like listens through to like realize like damn they stay on this part for like 30 seconds and that's it and then all of a sudden like there's this hard drop and it gets chaotic and it's crazy oh
2: yeah yeah, yeah. i know what you're talking about
1: yeah. but i think you do that a lot where there's like there's like a connectivity mm-hmm. to even to like the songs that's just based on like repeating a part and and Staying with it until there's, it's it's almost like you envision like the three of you going like, all right, next part. Yes, (laughs) that only
2: happens like one time in our set, Mm or at least on on this album where we're like, okay, I will like let you know once we're gonna go to the next part. But like the album titles empty because oh, seven okay. was the working title because uh-huh. the song we just wrote a song in seven and yeah, we were like yeah, yeah. it was whole it was only written around the fact that it, it was in seven uh-huh
1: oh, and the vocals funny. were yeah, like yeah. the
2: very last thing that happened like uh-huh. i like for the longest time like we were writing that song i didn't even have like we didn't use vocals at all and then yeah. i was like okay i have to write vocals like uh-huh. here we go yeah, um yeah. oh but i was gonna say with that song in particular that whole idea with the repetition is the whole change in dynamic.
0: Uh-huh. And
2: that's how, that's like, for me, what where the interest lies is like, yeah, I can play this thing over and over again. But like, if you listen, uh-huh. there's all these different things that are occurring and it's almost like, maybe you're not aware of how repetitious it is right. or like, It's just like it's changing like Uh, constantly, even though it is the same thing over and over again. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. I was like I really, really like locked into that in in a really, really interested, you know, way of just like, oh, like, no, no. People don't do this. And this is a really, really good use of it. And I like that you don't go back to it because what you do is that in not going back to it, you stay with it for as long as you need it in that moment. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's it's dope in that, but you know one of the one of the things also too, in kind of like tracing tracing this this evolution that you have is that you see you kind of see the sound expand in different directions, you know, from Canary and from those like original set of songs that you were writing, and I love. The elements that you end up taking in, like the sludge that you talked about, which as as being something that's not like necessarily influenced by maybe anybody other than Milk Belly doing it, but like sludge for it serves you so well because it's such a discomforting vibe, and I think that you're playing with that really well. Is that yeah, something that like it seems like you're comfortable in discomfort.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely, like, I want to go for that. I want to make people, like, feel, like, uneasy about, like, how it's, like... Yeah. You know, because I think that um, a lot of the times the sound that we make can be, like, really agreeable and pretty and, like, oh, it's so nice to listen to. But I like the having the... Juxtaposition of the really Sludgy like uh-huh. disgusting sounding Stuff because yeah. also I find that that's like a, a musical Aesthetic that I'm just like Fascinated with right like I want To hear bands that Are just like I want to like I use I like using the word disgusting because sometimes yeah. Like
1: dude it's just like <laughs> Really good for that <laughs> it's like
2: we're... You can't believe how like disgusting uh-huh. It is well the thing
1: <laughs> that I Like the and the you know the word association that I have with sludge is rot, and I just think of like a rotting thing when I hear like a sludgy tone, like that bass on sludge. It's just like, oh, yeah, man, that's decaying. And
2: yeah, and that is like that song too. Was like our first heavy song that we really wrote, and yeah. I was like, I dream of sludge because uh-huh. like that was just like, I'm in it. I now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. we successfully wrote this song. I don't think we've ever written a song as heavy as that Uh but we did it (laughs) right
1: well i guess it's funny too and it's funny for me to you know have people who make kind of like gross music on here to talk to them and just you know kind of like hear them bask in how much they enjoy that component to it that like off-putting component to it it's like it's it's a funny thing because when you hear it you're just like oh man like ooh, this makes me uneasy this makes me feel gray it must come from like a really dark place but it's also
2: like like, we're laughing when we're making it we're having a great time Uh and laughing (laughs) because we're like that's fucking disgusting oh yeah and we're into it.
1: Well, it's 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 funny, you know, like listening to listening to things over the course of it. And I was kind of picturing, like, you know, that the, the uh, you get like a rubber band and and it's got pegs, and then you you move it up to like one peg, and then you move another part to another, and it's mm-hmm. just like it's like a circle that like kind of just over the course of things like expands upon itself, mm-hmm. and you know, you see it on on flood too, where this heaviness kind of of comes in and i think when you when you look at like canary like it makes sense but also you are never really that like confrontational as a as a vocalist so
2: like how does how does that sort of develop i like totally grew into that yeah well because um i mean in this it's funny to think about it even back to like when i was in seventh grade and listening to all those like yeah screamo bands and stuff like that like I really wanted to do that. Right. All like, even though, like, and that's a part of myself that never really died, even though I like, um, what I got into like folk music and right. like stuff, yeah, yeah. like, you know, uh, and I was like listening to like lots of really soft and like pretty stuff. But yeah. then when I realized I had an avenue to express that, I realized that it was still very much a part of me and I really wanted to go there. Yeah. And, um, it was definitely like took a lot of like just confidence for one. And like uh-huh. uh, there is a song on Canary in the Mind where it's called It Seems where I actually tried. Like we had this jam yeah. where we wrote we basically wrote that song and I don't play any instruments. I'm only doing vocals in that song. Uh-huh. And it allowed me to like think outside the box as far as like what I'm doing as a vocalist. Yeah. Um, and I had, like, a lot of anxiety about singing and, like, being Always? a bad singer. Yeah, I mean, I really hated my singing voice for a really long time. Yeah. Like, even when we were still doing that album, I really didn't like my singing voice. And I didn't think I was, like, well, I also, like, had a lot of issues where people would be, like, you don't sing in the right key. Or, like, you're, right. like, pitchy. And I'm, uh-huh. like, "Um, I, like... Like, literally, I'm, not a, I'm, like, a self-taught musician, and I'm just doing what feels right. Right. And having people tell me, like, it's wrong, like, made me feel really weird. Um. So eventually, I decided that I'm just going to, like, harness that and just, like, make it actually make sense with yeah. the music. Uh-huh. So now, when people are, like, I don't even know what key that, like, you're singing in. It's crazy. And I'm, like, I know. Neither do I. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just... Oh, man. Yeah. So I feel like once I realized, like... It's very like it's like an emotional thing for me. Like I don't um, know anything about notes or things like that. So, um, you know, when someone tells me like, "Oh, I think it's really cool because you sang this note and it was like totally off, but like it made a lot of sense," Uh which like also with our live set, we I use this vocal processing pedal that does like a harmony with it, so it Uh kind of sounds a little more creepy and alien like sounding people actually started to really like it. Uh-huh. So the vocal processor helped me a lot as far as building up my confidence. Yeah, And then I was like, started writing these songs that, you know, even at first, like in my room, I would sing them like quietly. Uh-huh. But then when it came to actually playing them with a band and we were a loud band, right. I started changing the way that I was singing and projecting a lot more Uh and then becoming this like confrontational person where it actually became a part of me like as a performer Uh that it was gonna be like a little bit more menacing yeah and uh that's gotta be a lot of fun it is i mean i like vocal like being a vocalist was always like a thing that i wanted to do like since i can really remember like i was always like wanting to sing but then feeling terrible because I'm like, my voice is so bad. Yeah. And then uh now I feel really content like being a bad singer. Like that's yeah. totally fine. Like I also started to realize a lot of like vocalists that I admire are not good singers. Uh-huh. Like it's like a uh, it's there's more than just like whether or not you can hit notes or like Yeah. You know, like you there's to, obviously good to put singers out there. Some like yeah.
1: communication yeah In the way that you put it and i get, I think that you know it sounds like it works like to your benefit to not like have that knowledge that thing that says no, this is wrong because what you're doing is is very very right for you know for what you're what you're playing for what you have around you mm-hmm. and that's it's it's a it's a really you know it's an important effect and I think something that really really took me with a lot of your catalog is is the way that you do kind of float throughout all your songs i really love the way on on all of your records the way your vocals are placed i think it's a really really beneficial way to the way that you sing too and i think it communicates something fucking awesome um you know flood like on top of being charged and and confrontational like it's lyrically you you take that too. Like those songs are are very, very direct in comparison.
2: Yeah. That was also when I was like, you know, angry about the fucking world.
1: Yeah. And I still am.
2: Yeah. And I think that comes through a lot in all the music I write. And I think that that was the thing too with Canary in the Mind was like, love songs mostly. And I also like, even before then songs were all love songs. Yeah, And then I was like, fuck that like
1: uh-huh. i want to like Shit's happening. yeah
2: like i want to like write songs about like that like you know something that's a little bit less personal uh-huh. on like that level where i'm like i still have songs where it's like a personal like it's a response to something that it was right. like yeah, yeah, happening with me right. um but a lot of it is more of my like perspective on the world
1: yeah for sure yeah well i guess it's like you know it's it's interesting, I guess, putting that into a song like uh Maneuver. Um is, it, is it, can we talk about that one? Yeah. Um, you know in the in the title, like man is, is bracketed and it's it's tough seeing, you know, some very, very real experience that's that's in that song and and listening to that record in particular and talking to you about this confidence that's that's coming out of I me and something that's your that's developing in you mm-hmm. um you know to see such a powerful and and confident person in those songs communicate times that you've been made to be fearful it's it's really difficult mm-hmm. to listen to and i guess like you know obviously that that comes from comes from a from a hard place and it comes from experience so i guess in in singing about it and in in confronting it in that way is it is it like you know fuck this or like what's the well um with
2: that song i was mainly angry i think that that was like when i wrote that song i think that was like around the same time that the whole brock turner thing was happening yeah and I was so angry about it. Yeah. And my actual idea for that song was I wanted to have there be like this whole theme in the song about like can we just like teach men not to rape women? Yeah. And like that was like I wanted to express that in the song, but um I had I had a hard time writing that actually into the words. Right. But, yeah. Um but I thought that I was like You know, touching on that whole like being scared when you're like walking. Just trying to fucking walk. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then people, yeah, like they like the men call at me, like all that stuff. Like I feel like that is like it's that touches on the subject enough for me to like incite some sort of like thought about it, and the whole title with the maneuver, like completely intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. literally is like trying to like maneuver life around men. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like it's a weird experience I, when you're a woman.
1: Right. It's um it's it's fuck that's that statement that you make throughout throughout that song and like the power that you that you put into it, it's it's um it's super inspiring and I'm glad that you wrote it. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you do it. Um but, you know, like you start strong. This band starts really strong. It starts around a good set of songs and you know, over the course of it, it you're expanding and you're you're kinda of putting it all together and you did this new record of Palette Sound again. Um the sequencing feels super deliberate. Did the songs come together? Just you mean like that the track way? listing? Yeah. The flow no. of this record yeah. is very very smart.
2: Thank you. Um they did not they were not written in that order if uh-huh. that's what you're wondering. No, I'm just yeah. wondering
1: could be because it's like there's you know there's a couple instrumentals that I think do a really good job of tying one to the next, but
2: Well, the track uh track 7 uh-huh. I believe is the What did I even title that song? Um, I don't know. Glenn just sent me the master. (laughs) It had so many different songs uh, Uh or song titles. But that was literally just like something that we did in the studio because I wanted there to be eight tracks. I was like, we need an even number amount of songs. So Uh we're going to do this song. (laughs) And that was also fun for me because I was like, I I always wanted a song where I was just like doing this like weird screaming in the background and I had a rant. That's all I wanted. And then like the Nate actually had like we just jammed for like I think the actual track itself that we recorded for that is like over a little bit over two minutes. Yeah. And they just took it and like chopped it up. Uh-huh. And we were kind of going for this like Sonic Youth like yeah. type of vibe where, totally. you know, they have that whole like death on a highway thing. And like
1: mm-hmm. we were like mm-hmm. trying to go for
2: that. Um. And then I just, you know, had recorded the vocals like way after the fact. Yeah. Like we actually I recorded the vocals for that song like. Maybe like two weeks before it was actually done, like being mixed. Uh huh. So I like sat on that for a really long time, and like that was more just like I just really want this to like be on the album because I feel like it'll break it up a little bit more.
1: I really like the the you know waves that this that this record has. I think it's it's laid out really well. It's 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 interesting that you point out Sonic Youth too because I think that. It reminds me a lot of, like, that mid-90s Sonic Youth where they were staying on parts. and that's I mean. Yeah. And,
2: I mean, those, like, Evol and mm-hmm. Bad Moon Rising are, like, my jam. Yeah. And, like, those are, like, things that I've been listening to for, like, the past, like, two years nonstop. And, like, I still listen to it, like, on a regular basis. Yeah um where it's like their other albums are great obviously but like those two for some reason really stand out to me as far as like there's that like weird hidden darkness there that you're like totally like you know where is that coming from That's um a band yeah. that
1: like they've they've just been there the entire time as like a this is a band that i know i'm gonna love one day and when i when washing machine clicked Oh and yeah, I, was like, I mean, Fuck. yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a good one for sure.
1: I guess like one thing that I was getting so much from this is just the the confidence there. The, you know, the ability to like sit on parts and to not take your time and to not rush into anything and like what you what you put into it vocally, it it's just it's so so solid and so well thought out and if, like it feels confident. You feel confident like as as a singer now and as a songwriter yeah seems like you're putting it together I,
2: yeah i definitely do like i'm like starting to get more involved with like improvised like performance experimental performance stuff yeah. vocally um i like i'm starting this other project with my partner it's like this weird no wave band and I, that's another oh, like yeah. genre of music that i'm like it's calling my name and yeah. I need an outlet because totally. not for you, like could not really be in a no wave band. Uh-huh. I can't do everything, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm like, OK, we've finally found this like weird like thing, this style that like really works for us. And now I'm like, oh, the only thing that's missing is like I want to also be in a no wave band. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, channeling that energy into like another project but i feel a lot more confident singing and i'm like figured out how to like scream without hurting myself yeah and yeah. yeah and like projecting and like not being as like like shaky with the notes because a lot of it was just stemming from anxiety so i would like always be like floating around the right note and i would like hear something back and be like oh Uh my god my voice sounds terrible yeah yeah yeah. and then now i'm like more confident like i know the note i know how the note feels when i'm singing it right so i don't it's more of like a muscle memory thing now rather than me being like hearing it and then being like oh my god am i am i flat or like Uh am i like a little bit off or like too high and then like kind of trying to like
1: now you just find know it. where it is. You know where it is in like all of the yeah. parts around you. Yeah. Hell so, yeah. It, yeah,
2: I don't even really have to think about notes uh-huh. at all. And yeah. it's more of like, like I was saying, like it's like an emotional thing. Like it's, it's interesting. It's like I don't, I don't think about like singing a specific note. Yeah. I just, just like kind of know where, what it sounds like already. Yeah. And I just do it. It's working. And it's, and it's like helped me. Um, like I've, I have seen a noticeable improvement in my singing ability. <laughs> uh-huh. Just when like singing along with like other stuff that I like. Yeah. yeah I'm like, w i am like I can actually like sing this. I'm
1: just here. I'm not like I'm not like finding it. I'm just here.
2: Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm like you know, like, you know, you sing along with something and you're like, I'm totally butchering this song. Like, yeah. I don't even uh, feel like that. Like, I'm like ready to go do karaoke and sing Kate Bush songs. Oh, like, hell yeah. Like, ready to do that. Oh,
1: that'd be sick. I closed <laughs> down Alice's on Saturday. Let me tell you, I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for coming by. It was so great talking to you. I really enjoyed it.
2: Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Cool. I'm still covering
1: all right hey great stuff lindsey was a total joy a great presence and you know it's really amazing to have someone over who's on this upward ascent in her craft and putting together these really impressive records it's all happening in circles that run parallel to the ones that i'm mostly involved with here in chicago music it's incredible to look at this interview and to think there are so many more bands that I've only got a peripheral view of making important evocative art. Very inspiring. Glad to have Lindsay here. Check out Not For You online, notforyou.bandcamp.com. Drown can also be purchased through Super Records, S-O-O-P-E-R records.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Rate it. Write a review. Tell a friend about the show. We are on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. You can like the page on Facebook. Uh, and send me a message on there. Email is gmail.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. Merchandise is available at betteryetpod.com slash merch. And thank you so much. Thank you to Lindsay. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Glenn. And thanks to all of you out there. God episode 90 in the bag staring down 100 episodes it's been such a joy we'll keep them coming come back next week thanks brothers
3: So